let's tell us a little bit, because a lot of our, our listeners here are uh, really curious about the Canadian situation and conservatism, like an independent political thinking up here. This is something we're all concerned with. What's the basic story behind Rebel? Where did it come from? Well, I'm approaching my sixth year with the company, and the company has been around for six years. It was founded after, I guess it was sort of styled after Fox, but it was just, you know, a conservative yeah. outlet called Sun News Network. Mm. It was basically euthanized by the broadcast monopoly <laughs> bureaucracy that we have here in Canada. Because to get on basic cable, you have to make the case to be on basic cable and have preferential treatment sort of in channel placement. Okay. And that's the only way that a lot of um, places survive, like uh, networks survive, is if you get on basic cable because then every home is forced to pay for you. Sun News Network was the only conservative news outlet in Canada. And, you know, Canada keeps talking about how diversity is our strength, but <laughs> that doesn't really come uh, to uh, television and stuff like that. So Sun News Network, they tried to get into the basic cable package their business model would not work if they didn't. On basic cable here in Canada, CNN is a basic cable channel. So American left-wing news, yeah. you're forced to purchase here in Canada, let alone pay for our state broadcaster 10 different ways through basic cable and through a $1.5 billion a year annual subsidy. This one little conservative voice couldn't get on the basic cable package. So it just failed. And my boss, Ezra Levant, he was sort of, the uh, flagship broadcaster at that network, like the Tucker Carlson of that network. Yep. And when it folded, he s recognized that the problem with Sun News Network was that it was beholden to this broadcast monopoly bureaucracy. And so he thought, well, let's not even deal with that. Let's just go straight to the internet, straight to the people. And that's what we did. And from that, uh, Rebel News Network grew. And, um, you know, we've, we've, done some things. We've succeeded at some things. And I think over the last, um, I guess during the pandemic, I think we really found who we were. Mm. We've always been a mix of news and activism, and we've always been very upfront about who and what we are. You're going to get a conservative viewpoint, but it is not going to be partisan. We will reserve as much criticism for conservatives who are not doing conservative things as we would for the left, because I think that's essential for a, con a successful conservative movement. You have in Canada all the forces of society and academia and the media. They're largely on the left. So every conservative party is naturally getting pulled to the left. You need somebody on the right to pull them back to the right. And I think that's the purpose we serve for the conservative movement in Canada. But during the pandemic, we saw not the the virus as the greatest threat to Canada and Canadian society, but the lockdowns, this, the civil liberties infringements that were enabled by a government overreaction to a largely survivable virus. And so we sort of pivoted to, okay, it's one thing to tell the story of these lockdown infractions. It's one thing to tell the story of the arrested pastor. It's one thing to tell the story of the family that got $20,000 in quarantine tickets because they didn't want to go to one of Justin Trudeau's rapey COVID jails. <laughs> we, and Sorry. I'm not exaggerating. I know, I know. It's not funny, but it's just the way you said it. Yeah. Uh, so 
instead of just telling the story, because I think for me, in sort of my editorial role with Rebel News, is I that can feel sometimes exploitative. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to offer not only to tell the story of the tragedy to the world, mm -hmm. but to also find a way to help in some way. And from that, our civil liberties initiative, Fight the Fines, was born, where we help regular people, sort of the forgotten people, the everyman, who have received these lockdown tickets or infractions, uh, summonses, sometimes criminal charges. We offer to connect them with top civil and criminal litigators at no cost to them through fightthefines.com. And we have 2,200 people so far that we're helping through that. Some of them are huge and some of them are a little bit smaller. And we founded a civil liberties uh, charity to help us support that work because it is charitable work and that's registered with the uh, Canada Revenue Agency. So it's all above board. None of the money that gets donated to the Democracy Fund, our civil liberties charity, goes to us. It all goes to civil liberties work in Canada, defending people during, I think, I would describe it as the largest civil liberties crisis of our lifetime. And so that has really been where Rebel News has been. We're, we're not you know, I'm I'm anti-lockdown. I'm people will say like, oh, does the coronavirus exist? Does it has it ever been isolated? I, that's not the issue for me. I don't care about any of that stuff. I care about that the government is behaving yep. in a way that this is the worst health crisis that they have ever seen. And that's just not the case. And people, real people are suffering for it. And I, as a company, we're trying to help. You know, that's that's a good point where you say uh, the concern is not, I mean, sure, we want to know the truth about things. And yes, sure. these, these, but, but the reality is, is that I've been saying this since day one. Um, I got in a lot of trouble. Uh, I actually work for the school system, Sheila. I want to leave of absence willingly, but I realized uh, I just couldn't go along with the way that the unions were acting. I just, I've got little yeah. children and I just, man, when they started shutting down, you know, it's a little heartbreaking. This is our Friday show. We, we try to remain positive. So I, pr I promise everybody we'll be real positive in the second half of the hour with, with Sheila. But, but, um, when we shut down our schools, my, uh, my wife, when I were talking and she got, like, I got really emotional as well because, you know, I worked in a high school in, uh, in the city that I live in. And it's not a big city. It's a small city. But nonetheless, I mean, high school is a high school. Kids got problems. And yeah. and I would be in the student success area and stuff. And I, and I knew the kids, you know, that were going through abuse, like sexual and otherwise. You know, like, I'll, they're confidential. Yeah. I'll never, I'll never. But I knew they were. I mean, when I worked in elementary school, it was out in a rural area where there was, like, some sort of uh, rural welfare situations, lots of abuse and things. And I thought to myself... We all know that yeah. these kids are going through this and we're just going to close. Like we know little Jimmy is at home with his, with his mom's boyfriend and his mom's boyfriend is not a good guy. Yeah. And that just, it just right there, that right there. I didn't know what I knew about the virus. That didn't matter. I thought to myself, uh, and you and I, we, we can agree on this as Catholics that we can't have, we, we can't operate a society with a consequentialist morality. We can't have an ends justify the means. Even yeah. if this was the Black Plague, we still can't say to people, you can't feed your family by making a living. You can't do evil to someone for some amorphous greater good. There are plenty of things that they could have done. There are plenty of decisions that they could have made, no matter what they believe about it. But the ones they made were too far. And one of the only places in this country 
that's been standing up to this stuff has been Rebel. And I want to ask, um, just before we go on to some other things, but Rebel, we know Rebel's story, but how did you personally kind of get involved in this whole citizen journalism thing? Because let's be honest, uh, you got lots of supporters, uh, but you're, you're, you're not a, I mean, you're, you're a public person. I'm sure people recognize you and not everybody loves a rebel. So what made you take the leap from to, to go into the public eye like this and take, and take the job with them and, and be public with your very, uh, controversial opinions? You know, I don't think my opinions are all that controversial. I think they're actually pretty mainstream. I think the, the media and the people who only listen to the media think that what I have to say is controversial. Um, I think, I think most, especially here in the West, maybe it's a little different in yeah. Toronto, but I think <laughs> most conservatives have a, like a, just leave me alone. I'll do you or I'll do me and you do you. And yeah. that's sort of my philosophy in life. Um, and it's a little easier also for me because I'm very rural as opposed to some of my more like urban colleagues, even the the two colleagues that I have that work in Calgary you know, every major city has their own Antifa yep. maniacs that you have to be aware of. But for me, I, you know, it's funny because I, I started off doing citizen journalism and I didn't even really know the the term citizen journalism in the very first election wherein Justin Trudeau won. So back in 2015, um, I noticed and I was just a mom with a Twitter account that the liberals were not getting the scrutiny that the conservatives were. And so I was kind of annoyed at the mainstream media, but being one of those like Alberta conservatives, I thought, well, you know what? If they're not doing the job, I'll do it myself. These people are not smarter than me. So I just started digging into some of the backgrounds of some of the more radical liberal candidates. And it was right there for everybody to see. And I just started sort of started this little Dropbox folder of screenshots of the more crazy things that they had said, like blocking, they were going to block pipelines and, you know, leave fossil fuels in the ground. And it was sort of incompatible with the position that Justin Trudeau was publicly taking, that he was going to be pragmatic about fossil fuel development, which we all mean is like a, a slow, steady death for, for the Alberta economy <laughs> instead yeah, of a fast right. one. <laughs> anyway, so I started digging into some of these people and um, I ended up nuking a candidate or two for the Liberals. And there were stories oh, about wow. me. Yeah, and uh, there were stories about me that I think it was in the Globe and Mail. And there were stories about me, but they never actually reached out to me. And I was like, you know how to find me. You have screenshots of my Twitter account literally in your story. So you do know how to get in contact me with me. And even those stories about me and what I had done were inaccurate. So they were reporting that I was this large C conservative researcher, as in I worked for the formal conservative party of Canada. And I was like, I don't actually work for any, I'm a stay at home mom. I don't work for anybody. I work for my family. But secondarily, it, it showed something to me that the media was sh shocked that normal people could do their job for them. And so they didn't even, and they couldn't compute that people think that you're not doing a good job. Like they, they couldn't even realize that. So they had to attribute the work that I was doing to a paid conservative party activist and operative instead of just a mom who was fed up with what uh, she was seeing. And at uh, it was in and around that time that Sun News sort of fell apart or sort of in the wake of that 2015 election. And uh, Ezra 
reached out to me online and said, hey, I, I, I've seen what you've done. I know you don't work for the party. Will you come work for me? I'm starting this new thing. I'm sure you've seen online. And I said, you know what? That's great. Uh, I wish you the best of luck. But my littlest one wasn't in school full time. And that's not the deal my family signed up for. And I'm not going to switch the, the deal on them halfway through. And so September rolled around. Ezra contacted me again and said, you know what? Now I know your excuses in school full time. And so you don't have you, you actually told me the conditions of your employment. So you can't say no. So welcome aboard. And it's just been that ever since. And I, I really appreciate the fact that even though my boss is Jewish, he knows and, you know, like he cares deeply for persecuted people. And he's never, ever told me like, hey, take your foot off the pedal when it comes to talking about per Christian persecution or yep. small businesses or um, the agriculture industry or the fossil fuel industry. Um, I have a unique perspective because I'm a farmer, but my husband works in oil and gas and I'm Catholic and these things mm -hmm. and these things all matter to me. And so when I report on those issues, I report on them in a way where I have a certain lived experience with them that mm -hmm. I guess, you know, people can see that as authentic in my reporting. And so um, I guess that's the story of how I became a rebel. 